Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. So this is our message, a two-week message called The Kingdom of Generosity. Um, just our, how do we posture our hearts before God in a world that is very used to operating off scarcity? How do we maintain a generous heart? Now, I think sometimes you, you listen to this message and you go, oh man, it's just, he's going to be talking about money and how we need to give money. And if anybody knows me, knows that I, you know, where your heart is, your treasure will be also. So this is a message about your heart, and it's not about um, that we should give more and that we should do more. It is that we should pay attention to the state of our heart, because our heart determines our relationship. That God can look at our hearts and tell exactly how our relationships are, and that our heart leads to relationships, which leads to our relationship with money. That it is important subjects, being that Jesus talks about it so very much, not as a way to um, get something from us, not as a way to try to uh, make us do something that we shouldn't do. It is for us to pay attention to the state of our hearts. And nothing really exposes my heart more than when I'm at that stoplight and the person comes up to my window and I have money in my pocket and I go, uh, uh, well, uh, I don't, uh, or whatever. It, it, that exposes our heart that we, um, may have something that we would, we would desire to do. We want to be open-handed. We want to be generous. But for some reason, we hold back. And so I just want to talk about that today and how we get over that obstacle of like wanting to hold back and wanting to save something and wanting to like, um, in our relationships, not really pull our full self on the table because of hurt. That it's important for us to live a generous life. That we have our heart that leads to relationships that leads to money. These are some of the greatest resources that God has put in our lives. And you understand where money is on a list and what is not on a list is time. Next week, the whole message is going to be about time. But these three, I'm going to try to fit into one message, which they are each probably a series. So this is going to be difficult, but uh, it's going to be fun. (laughs) Our heart, our relationships, our money. I want us to leave here taking stock of those things and figuring out how we are gently holding them before the Lord. And what better place to start than with the rich young ruler, which I think has all of these things in its one message. Jesus is testing his heart, Jesus is testing his relationship, and Jesus is testing his money, his relationship with money. So it starts out in Mark 10:17. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, 
and you will have treasure in heaven and come, take up your, the cross and follow me. Jesus had not been on the cross yet, but come, take up the cross and follow me. That's a whole other message. But, but then he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. So much is in this, and we usually look at it and go, oh, it's about money. He didn't really want to give his money, so that's why he went away sad. I think um, Jesus also went away sad because he came up so eager and said, good teacher, what should I do? And Jesus already knew what he was going to ask and knew what he was going to say. He was going to say, I have been so good, what else could I possibly do? And Jesus in his nature, what he would do is raise the bar. We would say, we've been good. We haven't sinned. He's like, oh, you know, you sinned in your heart. It wasn't when you did it in out purpose, when you did it out loud. It's when you did it in your heart is when you really sinned. Jesus was always raising a bar and pointing a direct path to our hearts. That's what he's always doing in scripture. He's pointing to our hearts. So why would we think that he was doing anything different than this here? That he was getting to the core of generosity and how the midst of our history even begins to affect us so much. Our parents' relationship with money. Our relatives' relationship with money. Did they give us money consistently on our birthdays? Did they not give us money consistently on our birthdays? Did we get it in a card? Did we get it cash? All this stuff um, affects the way that we have relationships with money, the way that we saw it valued around us. And how much more so as pain and hurt affects us. It, it touches our heart in a way, and even especially when things don't work out. One of my favorite verses is, keep your heart with all diligence. It is as if you have a little plant, right? It's in a window, and if you don't water it, or if it doesn't get enough sun, it really is going to die. But keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring all of the issues of life. All of the issues of life. What are some, some of our greatest resources? Our heart. Say heart. Say relationships and money. So keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring all of the issues of life. When we have issues that are going on in our life, we can really look at our own heart, not someone else's heart. We can look on our own heart and tell exactly what is happening. This is why I've decided to hitch my wagon to those who are the tender-hearted ones. The tender-hearted ones are those who God can drop a seed into their heart of his word, and it grows and it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. Or those that have this hardened soil that they don't keep watch over, and so their weeds and a, and a soil doesn't keep and hold anything. That it's important for us to be diligent to take those things out. Maybe it is a relationship that we're estranged from. And that's a weed in our heart, and it just grows and solidifies and makes our heart so hardened that we cannot experience the reign of God's presence. We can't experience the reign of his spirit that is the very tenderizing force for our hearts. All of the issues of life come from our hearts. That doesn't make sense. I thought all the issues of life came from everything around me, right? Things that I can't really affect is what all the issues of life. I got an issue with this bill I got to pay. That's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> I mean, yes, I use the utilities. Yes, you know what I'm saying? I did all this stuff. 
but the reason that it's so high, that's their fault, obviously. <laughs> that the way that we react to stuff comes from deep inside of us. That when you were a little five-year-old, four-year-old, there was an impression made on your heart that still exists to this day. And many times it can be as simple as choosing distance or choosing closeness. Does something feel safe? Does someone feel safe? Or does someone feel scary and someone feel fearful so I need to go away? And that affects how we, our ability to be generous. It affects our ability to open our hearts to people and to open our hearts to the Lord. And this rich young ruler was like, I've done everything. Look, God, look at all this good stuff I've done. He said, give away everything and follow me. Do you think that that what Jesus wanted him to do? No, but he knew in his heart he was going to deny it anyway. Nothing in the character of Jesus or in the Gospels tells me that he has required that from anybody. That he's told anybody, give everything away. What he said is, follow me. And then people had to decide. You're like, do I want to be a, a fisherman or do I want to follow Jesus? The choice for us is in relationships. This tree is in a place where I used to go all the time to pray on a south side in Washington Park, and it's called God's Meadow. And this tree has been split by lightning, but every year it still blooms. It still provides shade for, um, for birds, and it still, I would go under that tree and pray all the time. That how generous can we be when sometimes we feel split in two? We feel like our hearts have been dragged over the coals. We feel like we've experienced so much hurt. God, you're expecting me to be generous. I'm just trying to keep it together. Like, how how am I supposed to do that possibly? How can I value what's been taken from me so many times? And all I can think about, like the rich young ruler, is what I'm giving up. That was a problem with that. All he could see is what he was giving up. He couldn't see anything else. I heard you say that I got to give up everything. All right, I'm out. And Jesus is like, you didn't even consider what you get at all. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. For the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Everything else gets real dim when you follow Jesus. And he was just seeing where his heart was. Would you even consider giving up everything to follow me because I'm worth so much more? That's what Jesus was saying. And in life, we can consider so much what we're giving up that it's never a thought of what we are gaining. <laughs> Them young tenderonies. I think she's still not looking. 
This is shortly before we got married in 2006 in Africa. And uh, I think about sometimes in marriage, and it's like, what if I'm just like, what am I giving up? You know what I'm saying? It's too much. I'm giving up too much stuff. Being a bachelor, not taking showers as often as I should. <laughs> not eating consistently, which is why I'm so skinny. You know? <laughs> I'm just like, I got all this stuff I got to give up. I got to give up all this stuff. And I, won't, I wouldn't even imagine what I was gaining that I was just concentrating on all these things I have to let go. And I could never even begin to imagine a life that we would have together, all the children, all the adventures we would go on together. And I think that's what the rich young ruler was doing. He was saying like, what I have right now in the present is so valuable. Why would I give up what I have for an unknown future where I just gotta trust Jesus? But then you go back to his original question. Teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Eternal life. In order to inherit eternal life, we may have to give up what is temporary or temporal in this life. For what is will unfold for us in the future. But if we hold what we have to such high regard, we will not see how turning to Jesus is all that we need. That I'm really, what I'm giving up pales in comparison to what I've received. And that's what Jesus is telling him. What you're giving up is nothing. And then he goes after this, and this is the whole passage of um, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. But for God, with God, all things are possible. Why is that difficult? What Jesus said in Matthew 6, it's hard to serve God and money because we got to choose one or the other. And we got a lot of folks who walk on the middle of the road and you're like, yep, I'm, I'm choosing both. It doesn't work that way. We have to serve one or the other. And you know who people end up serving? It's not God. Because money has these temporary things that are so shiny. Oh, they're so nice. But that's not how we get eternal life. Generosity that doesn't cause you to rearrange your priorities is not generosity. If I open my heart and get married and my priorities stay the same, what have I really done? Is my heart really opened? And this is what God was telling the rich young ruler. It's time to rearrange your priorities. You think how good you are. You think your money, your status. You had everything that you want. Uh, <laughs> my son, Elijah, likes to call me uh, my fat old guy. That's, that's what he calls me. <laughs> and so I used to be like, don't say that, son. Don't say that. And now I'm just like, 
it's, it keeps me humble. <laughs> He's, he'll sing it, my fat old guy. My fat. And I'm like, I'm not fat or old, but I can see to you how I would seem that way. Because you're skinny and young, you know. <laughs> but this rich young ruler, he's rich and he's young. It's like everything people want. And not only that, he's telling Jesus, I'm, I'm righteous too. I'm, I'm morally good. And Jesus is pointing out a place in his heart. Nope, you still got a place to go. Because you will not re- rearrange your priorities for me. And I'm sorry, Jesus is like, you can't, you're not in a position to dictate to me what your priority should be in. This whole secular world that exists outside of the church that so many people are leaving the church to go to, whether it's secular justice or secular music or whatever, that it's something that's not glorifying God maybe. That may not be exactly evil or bad as our parents in a previous generation thought, but it's just not glorifying or worshiping God. Was created because the cost of serving God in the church was too high. During the Enlightenment, when literally the secular world was created, everything that was pioneered in culture was from the church. Arts, music, science. The, the biggest supporters of those things were, was the church. Copernicus, the church. Galileo, the church. The cost was too high. Folks go outside of it. Now we leave all of those things alone because they don't work anymore for us. Yet they were all pioneered through a love for God. Generous is about us opening our hearts. Now this is a classic verse as in Malachi, about tithing and giving. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail, fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. A tithe is a tenth of your income. This is the Old Testament paradigm for giving. So much so the Pharisees were so into the law that they would do a tithe of spices, they would do a tithe of mint. It's just like they're trying to get down to the letter of the law. That's the Old Testament baseline paradigm. The New Testament, New Covenant paradigm is Jesus talking to the rich young ruler. Give everything and follow me. But as we're talking about it, the point is not to do that. The point is to get your heart to that place. Because you become a different kind of person when your heart is in that place. Jesus by no means has never in scripture told anybody to give away everything and follow me. The woman who broke the alabaster jar at his feet, it wasn't a suggestion from Jesus. He wants these things to flow out of our heart willingly, out of free will. But he also does want to show us what in our hearts makes us go away from generosity. 
This verse, this passage is always preached to make people feel bad about not giving. But the point is that where it was the law in the Old Testament, now it's the heart, which is much harder for people to control. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can control somebody by just beating them down with scriptures. Like, you need to do this, you need to do this, feel guilty, feel shameful. It's another thing to allow the Holy Spirit to heal people's hearts so that all that they feel is love and openness to God. That our hearts produce thriving, healthy relationships which helps our thriving, healthy relationship with money. God brings money into our lives for relationships, to resource us in relationships. Why? 80% of jobs are filled by who you know. Okay, so yeah, relationships and money are very connected. And our heart is connected to the kind of relationships that we have, whether we go away from people or whether we go towards them. My prayer, and then we're going to pray in a second, is that God will begin to sew that stuff up in our hearts so we don't have relationships hanging out there that are producing a pain point in our hearts that don't allow us to be generous. Why? Because when I expose my heart, I am exposing myself to hurt again. And if I haven't been healed the first time, why would I do that again? But that hurts, it, it hurts God's ability to bring other new people into our life. It hurts God's ability to bring people into this church. Because maybe y'all, we're like, oh, I don't want any more friends. I'm, I'm like Drake, no new friends. I don't want any more friends. It's a, I got enough. I've seen too many people leave. It's hard. The, the process of generosity that's why it's such a beautiful thing of God's grace wanting to heal us up and wanting us to still be open to folks. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money, the God of money. You cannot serve both. That I serve God and I can lay everything before him. Um, and God doesn't negotiate with terrorists. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's like, all, all of it. Give me your whole lunch. Give everything you can and follow me. And we're like, you know, uh, Tuesday, I get paid on Tuesday. Can I do it? You know what I mean? And it, think about that even in a, in a space of our hearts. He's like, I want your whole heart. I don't want half of it. I want all of it. Well, you know what I'm saying? We can do both. We can do both. But there is a place of us being generous that works in the kingdom. Our spiritual understanding of principles allows us to honor God with it. Our earthly understanding and wisdom multiplies it. So we can honor God with our resources, but yes, there is a place of us understanding earthly principles that allows us to multiply it. I once was in a church 
and I didn't have very much money, and I took $200 to this church service, and this girl was raising money to go to Africa, but I really wanted to go to Africa, but $200 wasn't going to get me to Africa <laughs> at that point. And so I felt like I was supposed to give it to her. I've never given anybody that much money before. Didn't know her. She, you know, shared her service, whatever. I go up to her, give her the 200 bucks, and that's it. Less than two years later, I'm in Africa with my wife in that picture that you saw. And I'm not saying there's a direct line of like, okay, this is a jukebox. This is how it works. (laughs) I stick money in and I get something out. But it is a spiritual principle of us sowing in good soil. You sow in good soil, it will produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. There seems to be an anointing around here around people being able to find jobs. You know what I'm saying? That's just something that happens around here. People just get jobs. People are not around here for very long without a job for some reason. That's a part of an anointing that we have. And it's something we get to pray into and lean into and encourage. That when you have sown here with your time in good soil, that that does produce something in your life. And that our generosity is continued to grow. It's the last verse I'm going to read, I promise. Scripture is just amazing. Come on, I'm going to read more. Eight more. No. Matthew 6 is really, comes after the Beatitudes, but it's all about money. Not serving God in money, the lilies of the field, and they're not dressed in more splendor than Solomon. All that is found in Matthew 6. So if you would like to do some reading this week about money and and, uh, Jesus' teachings on it, Matthew 6 is a great place to go. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Your heart is in a place that your treasure is. Your treasure is where your heart is. This is where the Holy Spirit operates for us. That we would treasure the things that God treasures when we serve him. And he so treasures relationships and us being together and pursuing each other and talking out misunderstandings. All that stuff brings joy to God's heart. Having coffee with people, having a meal with someone, going towards a relationship when you want to go away. All you want to do is run. Why? Because the enemy loves isolation. Because he can tell us whatever he likes to tell us. But some of the sweetest things that we're going to experience in heaven is remembering the moments where we wanted to go the other way. And we, this is, that is always good to go towards relationship with people, towards healthy, loving relationships with people. That is never God telling you to go the other way. Unless you're burnt out and you, you know, you're an introvert. That can, that can happen sometimes too. But very often, especially after the pandemic, it is, no, nah, man, you don't, no, nah, you can go, man, don't do that. Because of the true riches that is found in us all being together. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Jesus, that you love us with an everlasting love and that you have called us to a place of generosity. We love you, Lord, and thank you for the beauty of your kingdom.
that is always open and always abundant and never stingy. I remember when my dad used to say, I asked him for some money, he'd be like, man, my money's funny. (laughs) I thank you, God, that your money is never funny. (laughs) And your heart is never closed to us. And your abundance is never turned off. At that spigot in the faucet, is just running. And Jesus broke the thing on it so you can't turn it off. That we would see the love that you have lavished on us, that we will be called children of God. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.